What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, we thank Starfleet for being a friend. The Klingon Chow Hall feels a little tattooing for us, and we ask the question, how pointless was that space net? Grab a slice of cheesecake and come be a friend with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea Sharice. We are at season five, girl. Bum, bum, bum. Seriously, we made it to season five. How did that happen? We're talking season five, episode one, Redemption, part two. This episode was written by Ronald D. Moore and directed by David Carson. As the House of Duras is nearing victory over Worf and the forces of Gowron, Starfleet, led by Picard, works to expose Romulan interference in the Klingon Civil War. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we're at season five already. Yeah, it came a lot faster than I thought it would. Yes. When we first started this podcast and we we're first talking about this idea, it was like, oh my God, this is going to take years and years. And it has, but it also has flown by. Although we started our podcast as a like pandemic project, we had been wanting to do this for a while and the pandemic came along and we're like, the timing kind of couldn't be better to be like sitting at home mm-hmm. all the time. Right. So like, let's use this time now, but I can't believe that this time has flown so fast. Like we were just tearing apart season one episodes for being so racist and shitty. Mm -hmm. And like, here we are in season five, we're like over the hump already. It blows my mind completely. Yeah. So now we can get the good stuff. And I, you know, earlier you said at the beginning at our season opener for season four, um, or at our wrap party for season three, you were like, season three is like the best season. Like it's got the the strongest episodes sequentially. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh no, like we missed it. I didn't realize that was going on. (laughs) Um, and now that we finished season four, I'm like, I think that is true. Like, I think it's true that that consistently had the most number of episodes that I really enjoyed back to back to back. And even the mediocre episodes were still good. Um, This season, similar to season four, has some episodes where I'm like, eh, but then it's got some episodes that I freaking love. Some of my favorite, favorite, favorite episodes of all time are in season five. So I'm excited. And you guys heard me talk about, if you listened to last week's rap party episode, you heard me talk about some of the episodes I'm excited about hearing. Yes. Um, I'm excited about reviewing, I mean, during season five, but like, I, I can't believe it. And also I'm super excited. And also I'm a little sad that season three is gone. <laughs> I know. I know. You know what? I actually thought season four would be the strongest. And then when we did the season three rap party, it was like, wow, I think maybe season three was the strongest. And after doing the season four rap party, I can confirm that season three was the strongest. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the, ep- I think that the show does get better and better. Like mm-hmm. it's like a fine wine. Everything just keeps aging so beautifully um, that the story arcs, the character development, mm-hmm. the technology, things are just more seamless. Yeah. It's just more second nature because the world has been built so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So let's, let's start off with this one. Now we pick up kind of right where we left off, like 10 minutes where, from where we left off last week, mm-hmm. where we pick up on the board house, which is Kern's ship. And they're in some kind of bad way. The comm station man is dead with some sort of piece of metal shrapnel in his face, which mm-hmm. by the way, makeup amazing job and they are being pursued by you know duros ships or duros family ships and or they're allied they're, ships the point yeah, is they're something. bad guys they're, they're being pursued they're, yeah. by two ships and their ship is falling apart like at the seams like the wheels are seriously coming off this baby mm-hmm. and they're like we gotta fly into the sun and Worf is like are you mad and he's like do it right so now Worf oh, this is, is like, so great i love this scene i really did so this good so cool like Worf is like we have to retreat we can't fight 
And Kern was like, get back to your station because Worf may be the older brother, but he's serving on a Klingon ship and you do not second guess or question the captain at all. Like that's a stabbing not offense right even there. Close. Yeah. So I was like, you're, you're lucky that's your brother. Cause he would have killed you and died in the process just for spite, just for honor or whatever. But Kern has this great idea where he's like, I want you to fly directly into the Corona of this sun of the star and then go to warp really fast. And then as the, as the two ships pursue them into the Corona, as soon as they hit warp, it causes all this lava to like jump up from the sun and explode yes. the two ships. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've yes. ever seen. That was so, it actually reminded me, Jordy did something similar back in um, season one, maybe, or season two, but Jordy did something similar when, with the, the Echo Papa planet. Yes, that, that's right. Was it the that's sun? Right, that's or, right. I don't know. Yes. Somehow Jordy yes. did that. They, they, like yes, that. they went, mm-hmm. they went into, they went into the um, ionosphere of the planet and the Echo Papa 607 bounced off the atmosphere and, it, and like burned up. Yeah. And so, yeah, okay, it's well, the same type of thing. Well, Jordy did something with the sun and something with, there was something with the sun going on yes. with one of these yeah. episodes too. Anyways, this was dope. And I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, Kern, like I will fly with you any day. Your ship Hell was yeah. about to fall apart and the man, you still won? The man has balls of steel, okay? Seriously. He's got balls of unobtainium because he's like, hold, <laughs> hold, now, right? And they jump out yep. and yeah, a solar flare comes up and blows up the other two bad guy ships. And it is cool AF. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking amazing way to open yes. this cliffhanger episode that people have been waiting literally months and months and months for mm-hmm. right so it's like it's oh very wow satisfying you start opener off, you're like oh yeah the war is going right in the heat of battle like and worse alive mm-hmm. oh it's amazing it's amazing probably like, the best opening ever <laughs> so it far really, that we've had <laughs> you know it really might be because if you think about the season four opener which was best of both worlds part two it ended with Riker going mr Worf fire and then mm-hmm. the season opener was him firing and then the deflector shield went and literally nothing happened and the mm-hmm. board were like is that all you got it was the most disappointing mm-hmm. i think season opener like and like <laughs> conclusion of a cliffhanger yeah this one was rad as fuck it's like mm-hmm. we're flying into a sun ships are blowing up like this is sick yeah and then it kind of very quickly shifts to we're at starbase 234 and picard is doing what picard can do he's like we're out of this air quote civil war but he's like but I'm going to go ahead and talk to the Federation Council Council to work to expose the Romulan hand that's at work behind the Civil War. Yes, which I because appreciate because that's a good point. Yeah. Like it's a Klingon Civil War; they cannot interfere. However, if the Romulans are interfering, then they have to interfere because Absolutely. the Romulans are enemies. So I thought Absolutely. it was really clever. Yes, because they're like, look, if the Romulans are able to break up the peace between the Federation and the Klingons, it would be really bad news for the Mm -hmm. Federation. Mm -hmm. Great news for the Romulans. They could sort of like coalesce this power. And, you know, the Klingon alliance with the Federation has always been a little tenuous at best. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got you've got Kempak and a couple of other of the big shots that like really trust Picard in the Federation. But literally only Um, Picard. Like if there was no Picard. Really only Picard. uh, Exactly. It'd be like Riker, Riker who? Like, mm, yeah, exactly. So it's it's tenuous at best. So what's great is is Fleet Admiral Shanti does listen to Picard's concerns. God. Right. I was very, I thought she was going to be like, no, no, no. Prime directive, Mm -hmm. prime directive. It's like, we, we always break this thing usually, but here we're going to actually hold to it. I thought that's what she's going to do is like, yeah, we're going to hold to it. But no, she goes, all right, I hear you. What are your plans? Like what, what Mm -hmm. do you, what can we do? Because we cannot interfere with the Klingon war. Like we can't get in there. We can't send ships. We can't do any of that stuff. 
And Picard's plan is fantastic. He's like, let's just create a blockade to stop Romulan supplies, weapons, medicine, all that stuff from getting to the Duras family allies. That's all we're going to do. So we're not going to inter- we're not going to touch a Klingon ship, but we're just going to go on the neutral zone on the border and physically stop any Romulan aid from coming in. If the Romulans are not behind anything, then it won't affect anything. But if they are, which we all know they are, then the war will conclude the way it's supposed to yeah. without us getting involved. We're just yeah. not letting the Romulans pull the strings. Exactly. And Admiral Shanti was like, okay, make it so. Thank God for Admiral Shanti. Know. You know, I'm just, listen, I don't know what it is about the 24th century or Starfleet, but man, motherfuckers be listening to each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is something I really appreciate because, you know, look at Beverly being like people that I know are here are not here anymore. And nobody else can remember that they even existed, but I'm telling you they did. And everybody's like, okay, let's go ahead and run some scans and let's mm-hmm. just go back to the star base and let's just figure it out. It's like, thank you. Thank you for being a friend. It's like, the, yeah. I feel like I need the Golden Girls theme song because these people actually listen to each other. It's such a, like, I can't even imagine this kind of environment where people just take you take your word at face value and believe It's the you. Golden Girls in space. People just listen and support each other. <laughs> Plus war, you know, so maybe not so much. <laughs> But yes, um, now I do love that the Enterprise is like, look, we're going to put together a fleet of like 20 to 23 ships. We're going to create this sort of like tachyon net to detect mm-hmm. any cloaked Romulan ships. So we're just going to create kind of a little barrier between Romulan space and what's happening with the Klingon. So if the Klingon mm-hmm. civil war is left unimpeded, it plays out however it's going to play out. And that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. But if you guys actually try to get involved, we're going to have an issue about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Picard has to split up his dream team and be like, okay, you know, Riker, you're going to take the Excalibur. Jordy, you're going to be his number one. And um, it was nice knowing you, Jordy, because any ship that Riker's in command of is immediately going to blow up. <laughs> but Riker's also going to not be on the ship when it blows yeah. up. So, yeah. all right. Um, so thanks for playing, Jordy. And he makes everybody kind of captains and stuff. And Data's left behind and he's like, essentially like, why haven't you made me captain? You know, Mm -hmm. although he says it in a data way where he's like, you know, I've served in Starfleet for 23 years. I believe I have the right level of experience and And you've also others. Yeah. And you keep saying that there's a shortage of, of, um, what did he call it? Of, um, not superior, but there's a shortage of, of experienced officers. Mm -hmm. You keep saying there's not enough experienced officers, but I'm standing right here. What about mm-hmm. me? And he does say, like, if you don't feel that I'm ready, that's fine, too, because he's dated. And he doesn't have emotions. Mm-hmm. And I just thought poor, I just thought Picard was just he just wanted him to stay with him. Right. And it's like, I don't want you to go, buddy. You're your data. Like, we love you. And you're part of the family, part of the team. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, uh, just yeah, and, and I also think I mean, data said, was it because is it because I'm an android? Because if so, I'll try to like, you know, basically, he was going to say something like I'll work harder at being more human. And then Picard's like, no, 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 it's not because you're an android. Okay, I'm going to put you in charge of a ship. There you go. You can yeah. take the Sutherland. Yeah. But I do think part of it was because he's an android and because Picard already knew, like, I trust you with my life, with my mm-hmm. ship. I will put you in mm-hmm. charge here any day of the week. But not everybody else trusts you. I mean, the same with Worf, right? Like, Worf's my head of security. I trust him with my life, with my ship. But I know not everybody else is going to get down with that. So sometimes he pushes it and sometimes he doesn't. And I do feel like this time was kind of a, like, I don't know. This is a tenuous situation. I'm not sure if, if data is going to be accepted, but as soon as data brings it up, he's like, you know what? Data should be accepted. Like this is his right. This is what mm-hmm. he's earned. He's going to, he's a great, he will be a great captain. So yes, take the Sutherland. Yeah. And yeah. Um, man, 
did data experience <laughs> some, some issues on the Sutherland. Oh my goodness. But before that, before he actually takes over, we, we jump to this Klingon fighting bar in the capital city. And it's basically like the Star Wars cantina. If everyone in the cantina was on LSD and thought they were surrounded by monsters. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Because in the background, you hear a little like. That is not remotely what you were going to say. And I just wrote <laughs> Klingon Chow Hall, a hot mess. And you were like, if everybody's on LSD and think they're fighting monsters and also the place is on fire. Like, yes, that's what life. it looks like. It's just everyone punching everybody punching them in the face and then laughing and then getting punched in the face and laughing harder. Everyone has goblets, <laughs> but for some reason they never drink. They just throw the wine on the floor yeah. and then get another goblet and throw that wine on the floor. You know I, what? That is why I suspect that Klingon goblets are made of metal. So you don't have broken glass everywhere. Yeah. They yeah, just bounce the off reason. the floor. It's not because metal's more plentiful. It's because nobody wants to be stepping on glass all day. Um, <laughs> this bar is terrifying. And yep. you just see Kern like, eh, this is great. And you see Worf like, okay, back to the plans. Um, he's like so yeah. human. He's Worf so is human. like, what is this fuckery, right? And and <laughs> I like that Kern does say, he's like, this is, it's basically Tatooine. It's like, it's neutral ground. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Kern's forces, Galron's forces, Duras family for- forces are all there drinking and taking LSD and fighting each other. <laughs> and he's like, but you know, but they're not fighting to kill because they're going to save that for the battle. For like the battleground. They're just like reveling in their warrior-ness. They're just letting off steam. And like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I hope you die a good death. And somebody else will be like, I hope you die a good death. And they go, Wah, ha, 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 ha. right. And, and throw like, their wine we on will, Yeah. He said, we will face each other in actual battle tomorrow and we will be fighting to kill. However, this is how we bluff steam. This is how we honor our warriorhood. Mm-hmm. And this is how we are brothers and warrior together, which actually I thought that sentiment was really cool. It yeah. was really, really cool. I agree. And it's unfortunate that Worf couldn't enter into it. And it kind of reminds me of what Guinan was saying in the last episode where she was saying like, someday Alexander is going to have to learn what it means to be a Klingon. Just like you're learning right now. Like Worf yeah. is a grown man, but he still has to learn what it means to be a Klingon mm-hmm. because he's been with humans his whole entire life since he was like five. Mm-hmm. And this just really showed to me how much of an outsider he was. The fact that Kern's like drinking with the guy who tried to kill him like earlier this morning or whatever, but like mm-hmm. it's a neutral, it's neutral ground. So who cares? Yeah. And yeah. Worf is just not, he's not able to let loose. He doesn't have a goblet in his hand. He's not laughing. He's not joining in. He's very stiff and he wants to talk about battle strategies. It just felt like, man, Worf is still so out of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. The Dura sisters are watching Worf and they're mm-hmm. like, he's not really one of us. And he's, he's nothing like his brother. He's nothing like say. his brother. Like, no, yeah. And like, mm-hmm. he's not, he's still sort of figuring out what it means to be Klingon. He's not truly really one of us, um, which I think is well observed on their part. And they do say, maybe we could use this to our advantage, which, you know, is very Dura sister thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's a very Romulan thing to say, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so Worf is kind of figuring this out. Now data does take over his ship and his first mate is Hobson. Who's, we have a new punchable face. Yes. I was just going to say, we haven't had, we haven't had a new punchable face of Starfleet for a really long time. And I, I nominate Hobson because I second that vote (laughs) because thank you. (laughs) Bang, bang the gavel. Yeah. He is such a fucking dick. And he does say like, I just think that there are certain groups of people or beings that, you know, you wouldn't have a Klingon be a ship's counselor. You wouldn't have somebody else be an engineer. Uh, An Android shouldn't be, 
shouldn't be uh, a, a captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that data is so data. He goes, I understand your concerns request denied. And then just yeah. goes right about his job. And I was and like, ah, ha- yeah, <laughs> immediately requests to be reassigned. And because as soon as data comes over and says, I have now taken command, um, Hobson immediately requests to be reassigned. And that's yeah. when data's like, request denied, which is so mm-hmm. great. I laughed out loud as well. I was like, oh, that was so beautifully done. And, and he Hobson's doesn't say face, it. Yeah. He doesn't even, say, I mean, he's data. So he says it with no inflection, but he goes request denied and then just goes right to his job. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so great. So Hobson just continues being a dick to him forever. Yeah. For this pretty much the whole thing. episode. He's, he's like that. He never changes, but what's every time something like this happens to data, I'm always like, I am, I have two minds. One is like, man, you're being a dick. Like, why are you like that? But then the second part is like, but if you're going to be a dick, it is the best person to do that too, because he doesn't yeah. care. He's not he going to take it personally. At all. He's, nope. just, he's just going to say it like it is and keep it moving. He's going to be like, Absolutely. oh, interesting. Request denied. Mm-hmm. Moving mm-hmm. on. You know, like if that was me, I'd be so offended, you know, mm-hmm. but data is like the only one who can't be offended. So it's kind of like, oh, absolutely. If you're going to be that mean to somebody, this is probably the best person. And I think that's kind of a trope that we see throughout TNG. Whenever we have somebody who's truly venomously awful, they mm-hmm. usually nine times out of 10 direct that at data. Mm-hmm. Because he's the only one of the crew who could take it without absolutely lashing out or having other people lash out on their behalf. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, that's the perfect person to be a dick to and the person who absolutely doesn't deserve it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Starfleet has kind of come up with this plan. They're like, we want to kind of create a tachyon net between these 20 ships that we have. Um, and if the Romulans try to come through this net cloaked, we hopefully, you know, hypothetically should be able to detect them. And then we'll be able to know that they're trying to enter in this civil war, Yeah, which is pretty funny because the Romulans discover this net pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And I call her Tasha's Romulan twin is onto it. She's like, okay, you know, one of her, one of her sub commanders is like, look at this net that they've created, which I think is kind of funny. The idea of this net kind of cracks me up and here's why. Because space is three-dimensional and that mm-hmm. net is just like a flat net. And also mm-hmm. it looks like it would take 15 minutes at like warp one to get around it. I'm yes. like, just go around it. It's not that, that was the big. problem that I had with this. The net idea, I think is such a good idea. It's so interesting. I love that they're using tachyon beams. Basically it made me picture like a vault in a heist movie where it's got the laser beams shooting all yeah. over the place. Oh, yeah, and it's like, totally. it's like anywhere you walk, you're going to like trip them. So I really like the idea a lot. I kind of wanted to see, but we already saw a net in space and it was a disaster, but I kind of want to see a new net in space, um, a new space sa- net, a new space net. And at the same time, it's exactly what you said. It's very silly. Like space is three dimensional. Even if it wasn't, let's just say we're in the Pacific ocean. You're going to set up 20 ships in the Pacific ocean, mm-hmm. in the ocean. They can mm-hmm. just go around you. Like, <laughs> and that's not even three dimensional space. Like that's just, yeah. you know forward, backward, right, left. We, we can just go around you eventually. Yes. It's the whole effing ocean. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I felt like that where I was like, maybe it's like the most direct route or whatever, but yeah, this I'm going to call BS. On you the know, this is, this idea. is, yeah, this is space. Right? So in my notes, I wrote, you know, this is space, right? There's no up or down to it. And you're making a net that's two dimensional. So yeah. yeah, but whatever it works, it works effectively you know what? It's in fine. the writing of the story. But yeah, it's I had the fine. same, I had the same hang up, hang up where I was like 20 ships, 40 ships, a thousand ships. It's space. Just go around you. <laughs> go like, around it. Go, around, go it. around it. You have warp technology. It, you can be around that bad boy in a cool 15 and be right in the thick of it. And Picard <laughs> is like, 
hold, they're coming, <laughs> they're coming, and they're already passed around you, and they're already interfering. And they already went back home at this point. Yeah. They came in, dropped off the weapons, went back, had a nap, got a snack. Yeah, yeah, threw again. some wine. Yeah. And you're now, like, hold, hold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People are getting old at the conversation. Hold. So <laughs> Tasha's Robulin twin is on it. She decides to kind of pull this bluff and it's not really bluff. She sort of shows her cards. She uncloaks in front of the enterprise and surprises the ever living daylights out of Picard. And he's like, mm-hmm. Tasha, he doesn't know what to say. And she's like, no, I'm commander Sila. The woman you knew as Tasha Yar was my mother. And that is, that's where we need the bump, bump, bump. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there you have it. I, I said we needed one and there it is. Now, Deanna and Beverly meet with Picard to discuss this. Troy is like, I don't sense any deception from Sila. And Beverly's like, there's no record of Tasha ever becoming pregnant. And also, she looks to be roughly the same age as Tasha. So uh, how's that going to work? How's that? Yeah. It's like, was she a twin? Was she cloned? Is this person just surgically altered? Because, you know, mm-hmm. we do know that. Look at Riker on that yep. planet where he had done that, that ourselves a million We've times. We've done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this is this isn't a thing that like is out of the realm of like the, uh, you know, the believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And, you know, who comes with the answers? Our answer queen, Guinan. Mm-hmm. I love her. She goes, Hey buddy, remember yesterday's enterprise? Remember how Andrea and Sharice wanted a, where are they now? Well, now we got it. <laughs> this is from season three. This is a lovely season three throwback. He's like, tell me, what do you remember about the enterprise C? And he's like, Oh, well the enterprise C was destroyed defending um, a Klingon outpost from the Romulans on Narendra three. Great planet name, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and so Guinan is like, I don't know how, but Tasha was aboard the Enterprise at Narenda 3, and she was taken prisoner by the Romulans, and you sent her there. And Picard is like, well, what? Right? How can this be? And he's like, I don't have time for this. And she's like, listen, if I'm right, you are responsible for this whole situation. So you better believe. I know you don't want to believe me on this hunch, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I know this is what happened. I know a- that this happened because of you. That's a crazy like thing to try to, um, maybe crazy is not the right word, but that's a a really difficult thing to swallow when you're hearing that this whole situation by whole situation, she means the entire civil war, because if Tasha hadn't been sent back, there would be no Sila and Sila has been the one pulling the strings this whole time. So all this war, this fighting, this death, the destabilization, the losing of potential allies, Mm -hmm. all All of of this could trace back to Picard's quote unquote fault, which yeah. is like, what? that's a hard thing to, to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a tough one. And I love that it's Guinan that comes with that because if Jordy or data or Troy would have said this, maybe if Troy would have said this, there might've been some credence to it, but like Guinan is the one who was there in yesterday's yeah. enterprise. And even Picard was like, she died a year before you came on board. And Guinan's like, I know. Mm-hmm. And I do know that you sent her there. So you better listen to what I'm saying. Um, and I love that Guinan's word has always been enough Yeah, for Picard. And yep. of course, it's back to thank you for being a friend. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being a friend. He listens, he hears her, and he takes this in. Um, and of course, she does back this up. For a moment, we go back to the Klingons, and Worf continues to be at odds with Kern. And Kern, you know, he tells Kern, like, perhaps it's time to back down for the good of the Empire. We, we need... we we can't be selfish and just keep pushing for our own agenda. What, this is what of- Worf is really irritated by is that earlier they were in the great hall 
And someone challenged Gowron and said, the Dura, because Kern came in and said, the Duras family, you know, such and such outpost or whatever is fighting again. And then Gowron says, how is that possible? We just destroyed that base yesterday. How do they still have any weapons? They shouldn't have any. And mm-hmm. then, and then Kern says, well, clearly they're getting help from somebody. So they're kind of puzzling out that the Romulans must be behind this too, or somebody's behind this arming them. And as they're speaking, somebody in the council in the great hall says, um, maybe it's because Gowron, you're not a good leader. You're failing as a leader. So then Gowron's like, all right, you want to threaten me? We're going to, we're going to knife fight. So then they start knife fighting and Worf is like, stop fighting. The enemy is out there. Not in here. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Yeah. And Kern's like, this. Kern's like, this is our way. This is our way. And he's just like, this is stupid. So Worf tries to jump into it to stop the fighting. And he gives Gowron the second he needs to stab the person who was challenging him and mm-hmm. kill him. And then Gowron satisfied goes back to his throne and sits back down. So they're having this chat in the cantina where Worf is talking to Kern saying, we can't keep having knife fights every 10 minutes when somebody offends us, we have to focus on winning this war. And Kern again tells Worf, basically you made your bed. You need to sleep in it. Kern's like, I didn't like Gowron. I still don't like Gowron. I didn't want to follow him in the first place. You said we have to. So now that we're following him, we will follow him. It's too late for you to be like, I don't like him. Yeah, Yeah. It's too late for you to be like, I don't like him. And I don't want to follow him. That's not how this goes. And Worf is just Worf like doesn't seem Worf oh. doesn't seem to grasp the concept of actions having consequences that may last longer than what is convenient for you to deal yeah. with those consequences. Yep. You know, so, like, yeah, dude, you this was your this whole cockamamie thing choice. was your idea. Yep. This, this was, was your, your idea. idea and this was your choice. Mm-hmm. So, so don't be mad now. Yeah. They exactly. Storms off in a huff because he's like, why should I even have to explain something like that to you? Right. Which is. Yeah. Which is fair. And which like fair. One second after he's out of the room. A bunch of Klingon storm wharf, beat him up, knock him mm-hmm. out and drag him out of the cantina mm-hmm. right behind Kern. I was like, dang. <laughs> Again, maybe Kern also needed some better sensors because <laughs> if he would have just turned around, he would have seen this happening and been like, wharf, right? Or whatever. Yeah, but he was, he was um, huffing at the moment. <laughs> he, he was, he was riding his huffy bike right out of that cantina. He was out of there. Um, now this is the little bit that I think we have been waiting for. Sela comes aboard to the Enterprise and she discusses her story with Picard. And this is basically the story. For somehow from the future, Picard sent Tasha Yar um, in that alternate universe onto the Enterprise C to defend the Klingon outpost on Narendra 3. The ship is destroyed, but some people are taken prisoner and taken back to Romulus. And they were set to be executed, but one of the generals saw Tasha and fell in love with her like most men of the 80s did mm-hmm. and um, basically spared her life. Um, and she she basically bargained her life to mm-hmm. save the rest of the crew survivors in exchange for her basically being like the prisoner of this mm-hmm. general. Being his mistress. His consort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a year later, Sila is born. And a few years after that, Tasha tries to escape and bring Sila with her and Sila cries out, realizing that like she's being taken away from the only home she's ever known and her father and all that. So she basically alerts the guards that they're trying to escape. And so Tasha was executed and, and Sila's version just made me so sad because Sila's version made Tasha look like the bad guy, Mm -hmm. but Tasha was traded like a possession, most likely raped and impregnated with Sila. And then Sila, it was Sila crying out, to alert her father of Tasha's escape attempt that like gave up the game. And then Tasha died trying to like save herself and her daughter from this. Mm-hmm. And, and Sila is like, 
Oh, she was taking me away from the only home I ever knew. And my father was a good father. It's like, he might've been a good father to you, but I mean, he, mm-hmm. he clearly was like keeping this woman imprisoned as a sex slave. Like, mm-hmm. no. So he right? wasn't a good person. He may have been a he good father to you, but he wasn't a good person. He wasn't a good person. It feels a lot to me. Like when you hear like stories of like mob hitman's children be like, he was a great dad. He was mm-hmm. home every morning to make me pancakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After he had murdered a bunch of fucking people, like that doesn't mm-hmm. make them a good person. It just makes them a good father to you. That's it. Um, so Tasha was executed, so we don't get to see Tasha ever again, which is sad. Although, you know, super sad. Cause we feel yeah. like, I mean, Picard's like, I would love to, I would love to meet your mother. And then Sela tells the story that she was executed and you're just like, dang it. Maybe we could have gotten a chance to see what older Tasha looks like or to reconnect with an old friend to get to see her face yeah. again. And it's like, it's like she was taken away all over again. You hear that she yeah. survived just to hear that she was killed. You're like, oh, come on. Yes. Yeah. So we do have a where are they now? And it's not the where are they now that we want. Because the last thing we saw of the Enterprise C, it was going back through that anomaly, back to Narendra 3, into war, back to to certain destruction. Mm -hmm. And we think that that's Tasha gets the death that she actually deserves. And I think we said it when we reviewed yesterday's Enterprise. At least Tasha gets the death that she wanted, you know, to die like a Klingon, like in battle. And it turns out she didn't even get that. Yeah, it's like, damn it. She should have just stayed like killed by wind. I know. I know. Uh, But I also feel like her being executed for trying to escape with her daughter is also very Tasha. So as awful as it is, it's still better than that stupid, pointless death of being killed by a tar monster. That was just like not taught. That was just that was just dumb. That was dumb. Yeah. So like either way, like as sad as it is, um, it's felt like in line with who Tasha is. And you're right. says the moment my mother died, that's the moment anything human in me died. I am full yeah. Romulan now. And you better believe that. I believe yeah. it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I got it. it. Yeah. Roger that. Now this is giving us so many answers to so many things that we didn't even think we were questioning anymore. Like what happened to the enterprise C what happened to Tasha and all that. So now we get this whole storyline and it's like, Oh man, and, which is really heartbreaking to find out what happened to Tasha in this timeline now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, are left knowing that like Worf has been taken prisoner in some sense. And we, he's, he's woken up with fucking Bator chewing on his goatee and like (laughs) growling and huffing. And I'm again, so disgusted by like this sort of like, I'm a woman, I'm just going to use my sexuality as the only weapon I have. And thankfully Lursa is like, okay, we're done with that. And they basically make wake him up with this sexy Klingon proposal to be Toral's guide to rule the Klingon Empire. By mating so like, with Bator. So if, mating- you, if you marry Bator, you can help us rule the Empire through this little puppet king that we're setting yes. up. Yes. It's very Game of Thrones. And Worf is like, you are not thinking and operating like a Klingon. This is not how Klingons do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I love that Sila, who pe- clearly had like her, her like baby cam in this room was like, beep, boop. Okay. So you failed. Uh, Worf doesn't want to do your thing. So have the Romulans take him away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Plan B. I love that. She is like the more conniving, clever of the group where she's like, yeah, your attempt failed. And I love that the Dura sisters are like, damn it. Like they're so annoyed that like it failed immediately. (laughs) And I thought to myself, Sila was watching this whole time. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> so gross. But you know, she was gross. so, but you know, she was so impassionately watching it. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, right. this isn't working. We're yep. going to plan B. Mm-hmm. Um, now Sila does say, look, 
we are going to release a high energy burst and disable, you know, the sensors on data ship. We're going to release this like tachyon burst and knock them out because Picard had this kind of plan to make it look like one of the ships was disabled and the net had a big hole in it. So it gave them the perfect opening. And thankfully, Sila was like, no, that's exactly what Picard wants us to do. So we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to release this tachyon pulse. We're going to disable data ship. And then, you know, they'll have to fall back. And then we have this like perfect kind of like tunnel to like get through mm-hmm. uh, and it works you know they knock out data's ship and picard is like damn it okay everybody fall back and regroup at gamma aridon um another and great think, name oh i thought the same thing gamma aridon this is a kick-ass name mm-hmm. of a star system or whatever um so what does actually happen though is i feel like one of the least climactic climaxes especially of a two-part cliffhanger episode this climax is very like, okay, it worked. Okay, everybody's falling back. Here's what happens. Data is ordered to fall back and regroup at Gamma Aerodon with the rest of the fleet. But he comes to a full stop instead. And he's like, I think I have a plan to detect the Romulans. The tachyon burst that the Romulans sort of sent out mm-hmm. might have left like residual tachyon particles on the Romulan ships themselves, like gunfire residue on the hand of a, of a gunman. Mm-hmm. Right. So we are going to scan the area for these for the residue. high, high, res, high particle residue of tachyons. And that might pinpoint where the where the Romulans are at. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Hobson is like, no, we have been like ordered to fall back and regroup at Grandma Aradon. The Enterprise is hailing. No, Picard is hailing. What are you going to do? And you're trying to kill us, probably. And you don't care about human lives because you're not a human. Yeah. Which I'm like, Ugh. although I will say. They decide, Data decides to bring the phasers online. And he's like, if Hobson's like, if you bring the phasers online, it's going to like flood those lower decks with like radiation that's dangerous. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with your ship? That if you have phasers online, <laughs> everybody dies of radiation poisoning almost yeah. immediately. Like something is definitely wrong with this. Well, ship. I think the Sutherland and two and the Excalibur and one other ship were in the shipyard. Oh. When they in the in the beginning they were in the okay. shipyard. Remember, that remember they gave a report, and Picard was like, "Get them out of the shipyard." I don't care what the ship captain says. We need the ships. You, you know, know to okay, make our giant makes, space net. That makes you <laughs> pops back on to be like, "Space nets don't work." That's why I stopped doing it at the end of season one. But all right. Cue out. Yeah. So, okay. That makes more sense. Cause I was like, what is so wrong with yeah. this ship that having right. phasers online is going to like sw- flood everybody with like deadly radiation, but data. I love that Hobson. It's like, you don't even care about us. You don't even give a damn about the people that, and data's like, Mr. Hobson, if you cannot do your job, I will relieve you of duty. And I was like, Oh shit. Lore has You're popped like, in. Yeah, bring it. Hell bring yeah. It. Hell yeah. Because you may be dispassionate, but data also knows the rules. And I felt like Hobson mm-hmm. was dangerously close to mutiny behavior. Like yes. his behavior was so unacceptable. Even before when he was ordering around the crew and not like not waiting for data to give an order or asking data for an order, but he was just so-and-so get down to engineering and do this. So-and-so do this. It was completely inappropriate. Mm-mm. And I cannot believe that he thought he was going to get away with that. Mm-hmm. It's like data can still court-martial your behind. Mm-hmm. He, he just sure won't be mad can. about it. He just won't be mad while he does it. He absolutely, but he can absolutely still do it. He absolutely will. Now, Hobson does say a couple things. He's like, the whole area is flooded with tachyon particles because that is how the Romulan ship just disabled us. So you're looking for a, a needle in a stack of needles. Like, this is impossible. And Data does say, like, I'm aware of the difficulties. Please get to it. Um, and 
it works. It works. They find a couple little spots that have like higher particle concentration of tachyon residue or whatever. I mean, I love the technology. It's so believable for mm-hmm. us. We're like, mm-hmm. this totally tracks. Like I can believe yep. this. Yep. And data says, I want you to fire phasers on that, but at level six or arm the photon torpedoes, but at level six, mm-hmm. which apparently is like one of the lowest levels. It's like toast level. Yeah. It just warms mm-hmm. your toast. And Hobson is like, we are completely disregarding Starfleet's orders. You're not responding to their hails. You want me to do this impossible search. And then you want me to fire these torpedoes at the, at like the toast setting. It's not even going to like, what are we doing this for? This is not going to do anything. And data's like fire, do it now. And he, they fire these photon torpedoes. And it is actually the right plan because you don't want to be destroying a Romulan ship because now you're declaring war openly yes, against the exactly. Romulans. Mm-hmm. You just want the Romulans to know that we see you. So mm-hmm. it has this really cool effect where the cloaking devices are disrupted enough where we see the Romulan ships just for a second or two. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now we're on to you. So it's a really cool plan, but I feel like a two-part cliffhanger season ending, season opening episode needed a little bit more of like, a climax finale it's than a little that? more of something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a little anticlimactic, but it's over for Sila. She's like, they found us. We got to go back now and tell her some guitar that they're on their own. Yeah. Her number one in, in command is just like, but, 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 and she's like, no, they found us turn around. They're on their own peace out. And she just leaves. And I honestly didn't remember how this episode ended. So yeah. I thought Sila died. That's um, what I thought too. That Did was kind of again. I don't think so. Like, I think this is it. Why would we see her again? The whole plot between yeah. Klingon and Romulan is kind of over now. So, yeah. but I thought she died because that would be kind of like, okay, now we know we, she's not going to pop back up randomly, but That's she did it. I she thought. just turned around and went home. So, mm. well, and I guess, I guess maybe her saying when my mother died, the last part of me that was human died. So now we just have a Romulan that looks like someone we used to know, you yeah. know? Now yeah. you're just somebody that I used to Totally, know. totally. That was, this is... <laughs> This is going to be like the soundtrack episode. (laughs) Yeah. You're just somebody that we used to know. Now you're the daughter of somebody that we used to know and we have no ties with anymore, but they say, tell Lursa and Pitar that they're on their own. And I love that the Dura sisters are true to themselves through and through because when shit is going down and they hear that they're on their own, they transport themselves away, leaving Toral to get his ass kicked. And it's like, I thought that was hilarious. I thought like this, this is the Dura sisters. They scraped up this kid from some back alley just so that they could run the empire. And as soon as he's not useful anymore, they, they tossed him out. Of ass. course they did. Of course they did. They don't have any connections to this kid. They don't care about him. Otherwise they would have been, you know, great family long before Duras died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was very true. And they're not going to be tag- having this kid tag around with them everywhere Being they go. And on their resources and energy. Like, yes. Yeah. And also they know they're going to have to face the music probably if they get caught as well. So they're just like, as soon as they find stuff going, stuff is going down. They have some kind of personal transporter. That's like yep. a handheld device. The two of them beam out and that's it. I was like, Man, and I love that. Cold. I love that Toral is like, <laughs> no. And then, and I wrote, he looks in asterisks. So bummed. Like just his face was like, dude, sucks. like that's how he looked to me and it's over now it's over. Like we're back on Klingon. Like Galron is the leader. The civil war is over. Picard and Kern gets- came to the rescue again, by the way, Kern found Worf in the Dross family. He did. He and did. snagged up the little boy and was like, Galron wants to talk to you. And he's yep. like, mm-hmm. you know, yep. swallows like out a so cartoon bummed. character. Totally. But again, I was just like, 
Man, Kern to the rescue. This is the kind of brother to have for real. Hell yeah. For real. He secret brother. Secret brother that has his own squadron and saves your ass repeatedly. Yes. Um, Now, Toril is convicted of treason against the High Council and his life is actually given to Worf to end. And Worf basically says, this boy has done me no personal wrong. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to hold the crimes of his father and his grandfather against him. He's his own person. And so mm-hmm. then Gowron was like, well, damn it. All right, Kern, now he's yours. And Worf is like, no, you gave me his life and I have spared it. And I love that Worf is like, okay, I got to cl- cosplay as a Klingon for a while. I got to explore a little bit of what it's like to be a Klingon, but this world doesn't line up with my principles and my values. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he asks Picard to return to duty and Picard is like, granted, because Chief O'Brien, you know, isn't really that great <laughs> as a as a tactical officer. So whatever. Um and so they just like walk out together and it's the, and it's kind of the ending very similar to the discommendation episode where Worf yeah that's the true they all turn their backs and they just quietly walk out together Worf and Picard have a whole shtick where they just quietly walk out of the high council chamber together and the episode ends on that and I had some question marks about that I was like really Worf just requests to rejoin and then Picard's like okay let's go <laughs> I know I was, I was like, like wait a second doesn't Kern have a say and like no you're not leaving my ship or anything like. Yeah. And also like when you resign, especially you didn't give your two week notice and you have to like refill out the employment paperwork. I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to need your letters missing. of recommendation. There just felt like there's some steps missing in this scene, <laughs> but okay. He's back. I get you. And everybody's happy. Well, we need, we need things to return to the status quo. We need Worf to have explored his Klingon side, which he's been aching to do forever. And he didn't have a good enough reason to do it. So here was the perfect opportunity for him to like Go, dive in feet first to be a Klingon and be like, this fucking sucks. All you guys do is just fight at the Kill cantina other, and yeah. Tatooine all the time. Mm-hmm. Like for funsies, this is really, this is pointless and stupid. And even when, even when they kind of got on like Worf's good side and they're like, all you care about is duty. Come on, punch a dude in the face. He's like, all right, I'll punch a dude in the face. He was so half-hearted about it. He, it's just <laughs> his heart is not in it. He's like, all right, I'll only throw one goblet of wine on the floor. Like mm. it was just... <laughs> Yeah, it's it was just very half-hearted. He needed to return to the Enterprise yeah. where he can honor where his Klingon side with his like Klingon Tai Chi and his Batleth tournaments and shit like that. But also he was raised as a human and he has the human sense of like duty and honor. He's got the added side of that with the Klingon, but like it his life makes just more sense as a human. And I thought that mm-hmm. was nice for him to get to return just as easily as that. Um, what are your final thoughts on this episode? I personally thought that part two was way better than part one. Um, I yeah. really, yeah, part two had action. It had like, you know, a star exploding some ships and it had mm-hmm. intrigue and it had mystery and it had like a space net and it was, it just had some really cool things going on. I thought this episode was a lot better than the last episode. And I thought this was a much better opening to a new season than, um, well, I can't, I can't say that for last season because last season part two was also better than part one. It yeah, was, I just, I like it was. One. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, like I agree. One. I agree with you. I think that just like best of both worlds, part two had all the action because part one was the buildup. Yep. But mm-hmm. it was, it's just, it's a great episode. And I say that even, you know, as you know, like I don't love the Klingon storyline and I would be just as eye rolly if I had to be on that freaking bar and everybody's just killing each other. It's like, oh, you guys are so one-dimensional. This is so dumb. But we got to explore that. We got to explore Worf exploring that, which I thought was super mm-hmm. cool too. Yeah. Um, and like 
And we had this like kind of cool, like, where are they now with Yar's daughter? And Mm -hmm. I do hope we see her again, although I don't think we do. I don't have any memory of her coming back, but, but you know, you never, you never know. Well, you know, I'm going to say there is a pattern for me, at least with Star Trek, with these season four and season five, where season four had the best of both worlds um, part two with that kick ass, like conclusion. And then it Mm -hmm. right went right into family, which I hated. And next week we're talking season five, episode two, Darmok, which I also hate so much. (laughs) I hate that episode. I hate it. I don't remember. I always skip. This is, this is the one where they like speak really funny, right? They say English words, but not in any context. So it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, oh, this is just tiresome. I, 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 as, I, I think I often skip this episode, so I don't remember it at all. Besides, I think it's just Darmok and Picard on a planet trying to communicate. I think that's the whole episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and some kind of something is happening that's like time, an urgent, pressing, timely oh, of course. matter. And of course, so, there's a deadly you know, Picard, virus running yeah, Picard, through the ship or Picard's something. Picard's <laughs> got to figure out what Darmok at Tanagra means or something. And that's kind of it, right? And it's like, yeah. oh, it's just, it's not as bad as family, but it's pretty damn bad in my opinion. <laughs> I always remembered this episode as being an episode in like season one. So yes. as we were going through, I kept being like, where is that episode? Where is that episode? Shaka when the walls fell, where is that? <laughs> and like, it's in season five, like what is going on? But again, season five has some of my very favorite episodes yeah. ever. And then yeah. it's got like some other things going on. So it's, it's going to be an interesting journey. Well, the only thing I do remember from that episode, and we'll have to talk obviously more about this next week is season five, episode two is the first time we see Captain Picard with the wardrobe change where he's got the gray, the gray uniform top. And he's got the red jacket. It's like, it's hmm. like his red uniform top, but it's like a suede jacket. And that jacket is boss a F like I would pay hundreds <laughs> of dollars to have a jacket. That's like a replica of that. It's like the red Starfleet uniform top, but it's like a heavy suede jacket. And he's got a gray, like Starfleet uniform underneath. It's fucking badass. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, I'm going to be extra bummed because there will be nothing of value. in that. <laughs> anyway, you guys have stuck with us for five seasons now or four seasons going into the fifth. And we thank you for listening. We really, really love hearing from you guys. Thank you for nerding out with us about some Klingon shit. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.